This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, welcome to Health Check. I'm Joyce Teo, a senior health correspondent with The Straits Times. In late May, the United States Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is known as the nation's doctor, issued an advisory on social media and youth mental health to warn young people of the possible effects of excessive use. It's not the first time we hear of the possible effects of such use, but this is the first advisory of its kind which puts the spotlight on this universal problem. So adults still use social media, but the harm can be greater for adolescents and children because they are going through a critical stage of brain development that can make them more vulnerable to the harmful effects of social media. Dr. Murthy said there is not enough research at the moment to show that social media is safe for adolescents and children. He therefore issued a call for not just families and young people, but policymakers, tech companies and researchers to gain a better understanding of the full impact of social media use and to create safer, healthier online environments to protect children. In Singapore, excessive social media use can be a problem as well. It is not uncommon to see upper primary school children with their own mobile phones. And in secondary schools, I mean, some teachers use WhatsApp to communicate with their students. So in this episode, we have invited Ms. Joanne Wong. She's the head of Touch Cyber Wellness, is a service of Touch Community Services, to talk about the social media issues that she sees here and what parents and young people can do to protect themselves. Hi, Joanne. Welcome to Health Check. Thank you for having me. So before we get to the problem, right, can you just quickly tell us about Touch Cyber Wellness and how it came about? So for Touch Cyber Wellness, we started over 20 years ago. I think that was when certain games was very popular and then we see more and more youths playing games and going online. So we started conducting workshops with the youth first. And over the years, we saw that, hey, we need to involve the parents and we involve the younger children as well. So right now, we work mostly with schools conducting workshops and also for the wider community to address these issues or online challenges. Why? So you knew about all these problems like 20 years ago? Actually, we didn't know that it will become such a big issue. But looking back, I think we are thankful to work on this. Let's you know, talk about the problem today, right? With social media, it's just about maybe 10 years old. And if you look at Singapore today, right? Nearly every child probably has access to a mobile phone, you know, at least yep, by the yep. time he gets to secondary school, right? I mean, can you talk about the problem here? Maybe I can share just... Even talking to our counsellors, I think some of them are also sharing that, hey, we are seeing younger and younger clients. We used to think that, oh, most of the youth clients that they see are secondary one, two or three. But they will be sharing with us that, no, they, they may be coming in at B3, B4 and the issues that the parents are worried about would be they are already playing games the entire day. Yeah, so it is a concern, especially after the pandemic. We're hearing more teachers and parents sharing with us that they are so used to staying at home now, they don't even want to go out, not even for Chinese New Year's or all the festive seasons. So definitely a concern when they're spending so much time online because then they will be exposed to a lot more potential online risk. Right, so we're talking about like uh, disruption to their schedules. Mm-hmm. What about the risk to their mental health, especially when they're so young? I think for the younger children especially, so when they're online, what, what would they usually be doing? For example, they'll be playing games, they'll be watching videos. One of the parents was sharing with me that her five-year-old child watched this video about cooking. And it's very interesting because basically the YouTuber was cooking a lot of weird ingredients. Oh. And the child was very intrigued and tried it at home. 
the child genuinely did not know that, hey, I'm not supposed to be throwing things like plastic, pencil into this cooking pot. So the mother realised, hey, the child has an interest for cooking, but now I got to start talking to my child about how to discern what kind of videos that he or she can watch. Then we talk about the teens. Uh, most of them are online, same thing, playing games, scrolling through social media, watching videos. And I think if we were to really zoom in on social media, many of them will, will say that, oh, they are just there looking through content, be it by their friends or accounts that they follow. So the problem is what they see online as well, right? Yeah. When does it become a problem? Like how will a young person know? Because they will obviously want to play, well, as long as they, they can. Mm, it's hard for them to be very aware of their behaviours. So for us, what happened is when we go into the class, we talk to them about your social media usage. And then they share. They share about stories. As they share, then they realise that, oh, actually, now that I talk about it and now that you process with me, I realise maybe something is not quite right there. We are also training students to provide their peer support. Maybe the friends can help to remind or talk to them. Parents as well. I think schools are doing a lot to try to remind them. Just a reminder, a very simple one. Oh, have you thought about why it makes you feel this way? We just drop it there and hope that they can think about it and realise that, oh yeah, I'm not feeling very well after looking at this content. I see. So what are the key points to watch out for? Besides not feeling well when you look at something. So something that we do advocate for is try to be a conscious user. We want them to think about what content they're consuming and how they're consuming it. So an example of being a conscious user of social media would be, you ask yourself this question, am I okay after following this or looking through the posts of this influencer? If the answer is okay, it makes you uncomfortable, then the conscious decision would be you filter it or maybe you just kind of restrict the content a little bit or click on this little thing at the upper right or left-hand corner that says, I want to see less of this post. So I'm not asking you to completely not follow this person, but at least you can limit the content that you see from this person. The other way would be maybe you just have to do a detox once in a while. The bottom line is that we share with them this. You definitely have the control over your social media experience and you can do something about it. So when you talk about detox, do you mean like stop looking at it, say for a day? Okay, so for different youths, I think oh, the, the advice would be very different. I think the important thing is that we want to set them up for success. We want to encourage them to try. If you already have a youth who is on social media the entire day, I think one tiny step to victory would be how about just getting them to take a short break. Try short breaks first. And then after that, try to get them to even think about what are some other things you can engage in besides just scrolling through. Actually, for us, we were just looking through online materials and research and to recommend a good time frame for detox is very difficult. Yeah, but I think the thing that we can get used to do is just remind them to stop for a while. Maybe just try two days. <laughs> if social media is the key thing that is affecting you, maybe you just turn to other activities for that two days and then we revisit and we talk about it. How did it make you feel? Yeah, so for young people, I think one of the most important things is that if you want them to try something and it's meaningful, we got to sit down and process with them. Otherwise, if you leave them to their devices, they may feel that, nah, it's boring. I'm not going to try. I'm going to go back to my ways. Right, right. So it sounds like something that the a parent 
or maybe a friend can do it together with them? I think it's possible. We do encourage parents to have these conversations with their youths. And the more often they have this conversation, the less awkward the parents will feel, the less awkward the youth will feel. I think some of the youths do share that sometimes they find it so hard to talk to their parents about things that they do online. They say that their parents get overly worried, very nervous, you know, just very anxious about what they do because they don't understand what they are doing online. So we also try and remind the youths that you should train yourself to know how to communicate with your parents about what you do online so that you can allay their fears and they can really enjoy having that conversation with you because they are also learning things about what you do online from you. Right, so it's a two-way street. Uh, yes, yes. I think this advice is so important because if we were to talk about a youth sharing about their cyberbullying experience with their parents, many of them end up saying that they don't feel comfortable sharing with their parents for many reasons. One of them would be, oh, maybe the parents end up asking a lot more questions. What do you mean Instagram real? What do you mean the, the thing don't stay there permanently? Uh, what do you mean that it disappear? You know, so they, they feel that, uh, you know, I just want to tell you how I feel, but I have to answer all these technical questions and they feel tired. We do encourage them, this is part and parcel of a communication. So it is important for parents to catch up on what's out there online through these conversations with their children and youth. Lah. Interesting. I mean, out there, there's a lot of literature like telling parents what to do, but also the young people need to find a way to talk to their parents about it as well. Yes, yes. It is possible. They can be trained and they can be reminded that hey, your world is a very new and exciting world. Help us to understand. Teach us as well what's so exciting, what's so appealing about what you are engaging with online. So I think one way, something that we try and share with the youth is that, let's take a look at this picture of Atari. I don't know whether you remember what's that. It's a very old console game. And uh, we explained to them that, hey, the gaming experience back then was so different compared to now. Isn't this something that we can try to explain to our parents as well? So that's an example of how we try to help them to see that you can develop empathy for your parents in this area. <laughs> yeah. I think that would help a lot. Yes, yes. So we talk about like the content, right? And I think a lot of problems also stem from excessive views. Mm. And if you ask the young people, it might be a bit hard for them. I mean, it's so interesting, so many things online. So what should be done before we even get to this problem of you know, a young person using social media for too long? Okay, first of all, just be aware that there are things online that can affect you. So that's why we try to remind you to curate your own content. Go and detect what you want your feeds to show you. Number two, actually, we do remind them to set limits. So for example, we know that there are certain applications where the moment you switch it on, you start watching the video, you will not stop. You won't just stop after five minutes. <laughs> and I remind them that, hey, you know, these very applications that you use, there are many in-app features that can remind you to just take a break and stop. So use those. Utilize all these in-app applications. For example, we talk about the screen time management tool on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. That's one thing that we share with them. Actually, the third one, which may be quite hard, would be think about what else can engage you outside of activities that requires you to do on your device? Your current CCA are very good places for you to continue your effort. You do learn things that is hard for you to learn outside of your classroom. Go and engage in that. Go and explore. So number three, that principle is really for us to try and get them to think about other ways for them to cope with stress or negative emotions. I think one thing we realise is that 
when it comes to dealing with stress, maybe I'll use unconsciously dealing with them. They are just turning to their devices to forget about them. Right, so stress, yeah, stress coping is, uh, th- that is a very valuable skill set that we need to help our youth build. And it would be to help them to think about other avenues to relieve that stress. La. So if we tell this boy to play lesser, let's say cut down, reduce one or two hours, we got to help him to think about how else can he spend that one or two hours. Right. Yeah. Instead of just telling him, okay, yeah, please stop, stop now. Yeah. And so he stopped. He will stop. Yeah. yeah. And maybe he wouldn't know what to do then. Yeah. So if you don't know what to do and he feels that, what's the point? I'm not doing anything with my time anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that we got to be conscious about when we tell them to change. We have to think about how we can help them to change. I see. Okay. So there's a bit of hard work involved. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So we, we got to help them. We got to support them. Lah. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Now back to my conversation with Miss Joanne Wong, the head of Touch Cyber Wellness on social media use in Singapore. So how about your schools? I mean, you for Touch Cyber Wellness, you do talks in schools as well, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you usually talk about and what are some of the issues that come up? We talk about cybersecurity, which is one of the recent hot topics. We see many scam cases. We talk about cyberbullying, screen time usage. We talk about online contact, the interactions they have with people that they may not know online. We talk about exposure to inappropriate content. Can you share some of the stuff that you mentioned? Say for, for primary school, you mentioned in primary school, mm. cyberbullying is a key topic, right? So mm. what usually comes up? We explain what cyberbullying looks like. So for example, we give some examples of certain behaviours that is considered as bullying behaviours online. And that's when some students will, oh, this is cyberbullying. Oh, I didn't know. So I've actually been bullied. So when we go to schools, we address this. That's one thing that we want to do. We hope that you can be aware. Once you're aware, you know how to protect yourself. Can you give an example of cyberbullying? One example would be in WhatsApp chat groups. So how hard is it for the student to set up a group? Actually, it's so easy, right? They just set up a group and then they add everybody they know or they just want to add that few people. And there may be that one boy that they don't really like, but they still want to add him to the group. And once he's in the group, they started to scold him, make fun of him. So that's an example of cyberbullying. And when I describe this, I'm not sure if you are surprised, but it does happen to people that you know. So most of the time, we observe that these cyber bullies do know the victims and they are quite intentional about harassing them and disturbing them. Through the chats. Yeah, or even through social media accounts. So for example, they a random photo of you and they post it on their own account and the caption may not be very nice. It could be a caption about, oh, look at this person, so funny, which is kind of encouraging people to come and comment. And some people may comment, some people may join in and, and make fun of the poor person in the picture. Yeah, it, it's quite painful, actually, for the students who... For the young person. Yeah. That's for primary, starts in primary school, but it would be the same case for secondary school children and as it's well, right? similar. Yeah, the cases that we hear are... Uh, also on 
your social media applications and also in these chat groups. Yeah, and you mentioned scams and privacy? For the younger students, yeah, how, how to be careful about what they share online, yes. So we know that for the younger students, maybe some of the so-called scams that they are familiar with would be in-game scams. So for example, we know a very popular game called Roblox and I've seen how people spam the chat messages. So basically you can chat publicly as well. The so-called scammers will be sending messages like, oh, do you want free Robux, which is in-game money? Click on this link and, and you'll get it. Yeah, and I know so many young children who tell me that they really want Robux because their parents are not going to get it for them. So they just click on the link and some of them actually end up losing access to their own account. Probably the link just direct them to another website, ask them to key in their login details and that's it. I've seen scammers asking students to, oh, I can help you to so-called level up. Yeah, just give me access to your account. And then they, they lost their account or they lost the money in their account. So we remind them to be careful to not reveal very personal information, password to their account or even information like your parents' credit card because they say they need them. Other types and other examples of scams would be because so many of them actually have their own mobile phone. We talk about text messages or we talk about when they are online, let's say they are doing some research, they are reading up some information online. We talk about clicking on some of these advertisements that appear. Advertisements that say that, oh, click on it and you get your free PSP. <laughs> Very attractive. <laughs> or you get a free iPhone or you get a free device, basically. And then they are like, oh, so excited. So we remind them that, oh, so it's too good to be true, you know. Okay, uh, what happens after you click on them? And then we share about the consequences. Really just to up their awareness in this area. So that's for scam. Right, interesting. That's probably more value for younger children, right? Uh, yeah. Because for yes. adults, we probably think that they should know, but maybe they don't. I think for adults, I think different types of scams will draw us in. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe not advertisements, but maybe the more sophisticated ones. For example, your friend's social media account got hijacked and you didn't know. And that scammer used that account to ask you for help. And some of us, we are like, oh, it's our friend. Let me reply them. Let me help them. So I think in a recent article on Streets Time, the stats actually revealed that the younger people forms almost the majority of the people who fell for scams. I think because the young people ourselves, we do a lot of online shopping, we click on links, we, we are more active online. So somehow it makes us a bit more vulnerable and more susceptible to these scams attempts. Yeah, and they're getting savvier, all these scammers. Yes, very. And the moment the news maybe report some of these methods, the scammers will think of new methods. So we have to really be very, very vigilant when we're online. It's kind of scary, but it's good to know, actually. So um, maybe we can go back quickly to, you know, earlier we talked about the problems that may arise, right, from excessive social media use. Can you just, you know, from the cases that you see, tell us a little bit about what can happen? What I hear is, you know, of like young people getting upset if they don't get enough likes for their Instagram polls, etc. Mm -hmm. And then after mm -hmm. a while, it gets it really gets to them and it affects their mental health. I think as our youths use social media, I think somehow it became very important for them to ensure that their account looks good. And for them, I think as we discuss these issues with our students in class, some of them do open up to, to share that. they Sometimes they will text their friend, hey, you know, I just post something, go and take a look. And uh, I think one of them was very honest to say that he didn't have enough followers, so he just deleted that entire account, started something new, completely different from the first one, just in an attempt to probably gain some followers. And when we hear that, we just feel... Oh, 
so pressurizing, it's so hard for you to use social media. So stressful, but why do you still use it? Yeah, but I think for them this is important because all their friends are online and, and you're not online. Sometimes they get made fun of when they are not spending as much time online. Right, so how, I mean, if that's the case, right, how are we going to solve this issue? I mean, what can be done about it then? Because everybody's online and obviously they will want to be online as well. Basically, you know, they're going through a stage of self-discovery. The brains are developing. That's a vulnerable stage. It's not easy, but we have to also help them to identify what draws them in to use social media. So when the reason is maybe, for example, self-validation, we got to help them to process that at the end of the day, this may not be the healthiest way to seek their validation. We got to help them to understand that Honestly, when you're online, uh, you are looking at the most, uh, you're the best part of people, the most glam part of people. Is that realistic for you to also live like that? So we help them to see that people do curate them and it takes a lot of effort. (laughs) Yeah, and it's very hard to keep up. So remind them that that's not the reality, that only good things happen to you. So I think constantly talking about it and reminding them really helps. Right, and they Mm. would be. Yes, I mean, almost everyone. Yeah. Of them I would. mean, I have met a handful of youths who are like, no, I don't feel like I missed out. It's okay for me to not use WhatsApp at all. That's very rare. <laughs> right. Majority would. Uh. Yeah. That, that's true. But that's interesting. I think what you mentioned was very good to be very conscious of their usage. Mm. And actually brings us back to the most basic of our human interaction that's more important, right? Mm. Do you have any other tips for parents and young people or teachers maybe? Would you advise parents to install filters? Well, I think filters will be useful if your child or your youth agrees with you. Uh, It will not be useful if they are not very happy about it. And they probably may not understand why because they feel that, oh, you know, but I can make my own decision. It is recommended probably for younger children because at that age, they really do need that structure to help them to navigate safely. But uh, it is recommended for the younger children to have that and at the same time for the parents to also process with them why this is needed. So that as they grow in their usage, as they become older, we know that parents can relax a bit. But it is not recommended to secretly go into their room at night, use their thumb, (laughs) scan the (laughs) phone, go in and secretly install that. Not recommended. (gasps) Yeah, I think that conversations is is important. Mm. When you talk about younger children, do you mean 12 and below? Um, Let's see, I think a primary school age, maybe before primary five. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, talking to the children, so providing a safe space for them to actually confide in you, right, if they have issues as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You did mention earlier that, you know, it's um, telling the child that, because they might think the parent is being overprotective, right, but it's just telling them that it reduces your risk of being exposed to online grooming. Can you briefly talk about online grooming? So I think something that we do try and teach and educate the young people is that, okay, sometimes it started out very, okay, very comfortable. You know, they may not even be asking very personal questions, questions that be, is intrusive. We, we help them to see that many of them, they do want to build and establish trust with you. Do you want to build that trust with this stranger that you have not met? So let's be careful. So uh, I think we also teach them about certain techniques that some of these groomers use. For example, flattery, for example, lots of empathy. Oh, I know, I understand that your, your results just came and you're not very happy. 
you know, I, I totally understand. Tell me all about it. How do you feel? There's a lot of this as well. And honestly, it will make you feel very comfortable to share with them. So we keep reminding them that just be careful what you're sharing. Because they are strangers. You don't know them. Yeah. Right. So in the end, I mean, what's their ultimate goal? Goal of these groomers? Yeah. It's hard to tell. Some of them, actually, they're trying to get money from you. <laughs> uh, some of them, they want to strike a conversation with you and they want to have a relationship with you. And some of them, we don't hear about it. But uh, it could be that they, I don't know, they start to ask you for very personal photos of yours. And we know that it's a very sensitive issue to address in class. So we usually also encourage the students to speak to the teachers after the session. Someone that they are more familiar with. La. Is that a problem in Singapore? Uh, we, we don't see many cases yet. But we are aware that our students are actually having conversations online <laughs> with online strangers. And the reminder really comes in very often from the schools la, that to be careful when you're online. I think for parents who wish to introduce device to their younger children, do think carefully about the boundaries that you want to set. It's really helpful if you can lay this out right from the start, that you can think about how often the child can use a device and, and talk about it and let the child listen and understand where you're coming from and have an agreement. Yeah, so this is for parents with younger children. Uh, do think about it seriously. You do need some. You need to do some homework. Uh, I know it's not easy at the start, but trust me, it will be a little bit easier along the way. I totally agree. <laughs> you really need to do that. You can't really wait until you know they're already using it, and then you're trying to put the controls. And I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. And for parents with older youth, I mean, uh, you'll be thinking, oh, that's it, man. I didn't. <laughs> I don't have all these boundaries at the start. Well, it's not too late to start. Uh, but first of all, uh, parents also do think about, hey, um, your relationship with your child, does it, is it only built on that rules and regulation and the relationship has already been strained because of arguments from device usage? Yeah, parents with older children, I know it's not easy. So what we sometimes recommend parents to try would be, uh, is there an uh, older sibling, a trusted cousin, auntie, uncle that can also come in and gently remind them uh, if your youth is, is going to not listen to you yeah, because of that strained relationship. But at the same time, for parents to still be active and try to engage their child on what they are doing online. Actually having that uh, relationship would be so, so helpful and important for you to influence their decision-making when it comes to um, online actions and behaviours. Yeah, that's true. So I wanted to squeeze in one question, right? I mean, you know, people will be asking this question even though there's no actual answer. So is that like a right age to introduce a digital device to a child? No, it's, it's a, you're right. It's a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also the other question, right? How much time to use a day? <laughs> yeah. So I have no answer to that. But for me, or for my parenting team, the advice is always when you want to introduce that device to them, you really must think through, set boundaries. I think one principle that they would encourage parents to look at would be the four areas. The content, uh, talk to them about the type of content that they are allowed to look at. Time, meal times, before bedtime, homework time. And the third area would be to talk about the location, where can you use your phone? Is it in the shower, in the toilet, in your bedroom? Okay, and the fourth area would be uh, talk about their behaviour. When I'm talking to you, you look at me or you look at the phone? Yeah, and as you talk about it, 
it's very important to ensure and to help to see that, hey, your child, do they understand what you're talking about? Or as the parent, you're like, yeah, I'm very comfortable. I'm very happy with all the rules. And then you just walk away. But actually, your child or youth may not really understand what you mean. So some of this agreement has to be very clear and practical for them to follow. So the question was difficult. We don't know when, right? It's really up to the parents to actually manage this. Mm. But when it comes to the recommendation, Singapore actually launched an advisory in March this year. So there's this guidance on screen time use for children from 0 to 12 years old. So we don't know when parents should or can introduce the device, but we do know that when they are very, very young, they should not use uh, the device at all, especially for like newborns. Definitely. Okay, great. Thanks for your time today, Joanne. You're welcome. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Joyce Teo. Don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read my articles, we have links in the podcast text description below. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.